Hello, my name is Lee Shellnut, and I'm the pastor of the Huntersville Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. That's a mouthful, so we affectionately know of ourselves as HARP. We at HARP welcome you to the podcast of our preaching and teaching ministry. We're grateful that you've joined us. If you're encouraged by what you hear, we'd love to have you subscribe. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we love sharing the glorious good news of the Lord Jesus Christ as we preach and teach through the pages of Holy Scripture. So join us now as we open up God's Word. This is the invitation. You may be seated. Turn to Psalm 90. It's on page 10 of the bulletin. And if you don't have a bulletin, grab a pew Bible. Psalm 90. Listen to this. This is God's very word to you. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand generations or a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. We are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty. Yet their span is but toil. In trouble, they are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your mercy or steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us, Yes, establish the work of our hands. The Word of God for the people of God. 
I'm 40 years old. To some of you, I'm an old man. And to others of you, I'm just a babe. I'm still in the prime of life. I am 40 years old, and, and yet it seems like only two months ago I was six, and it's summertime, and I'm cutting through the woods and making my way down to the creek and getting into trouble I shouldn't get into, but we lived out in the country, so no one saw it. And it seems like only four weeks ago I was 27 and getting married, and only two weeks ago... We saw the arrival of our daughters, and, and now somehow I've become a bifocal-wearing, middle-aged man. Thirteen years into marriage, and my babies are seven and eight. And I guarantee you, if just a moment's reflection, even, even you kids and young people, with just a moment's reflection... You're going to understand that's the way life is. It is an ever-moving stream. Time marches on. It waits for no one. And all the things at one point in your life that you held as as important, as, as necessary, as beautiful, something you had to have, it's but a vapor and you saw it was vanity. And now, now hopefully, things are of... Different importance in life is something more to you. Because if if life is nothing but a vapor, as this psalm sets before us, if it's but a vapor and, and God is not the anchor of it, as this psalm sets before us, then well then I am in a desperate state. Now, I will try to cling to this life with everything that I have. I will do all that I can to claw and scrape and scratch in order to stay right here. But even the longest lived among us do not stay right here. And so Moses gives us this psalm. It's a prayer of his. He gives us this psalm to to give us a corrective, to to recalibrate us and remind us who is over all and in whom we rest. This is the oldest of all the psalms. It's some 3,000 years old. It's older than all the rest of them. And it's the only psalm attributed to Moses. Now, you know Moses has written other songs, right? You, you saw that in Exodus 15. You saw that in Deuteronomy 32. Moses has written other songs, but this is a psalm. It's in the Psalter. And it's the only one by him. And, and as you read it, you may wonder, well, when's he writing this? Why is he writing this? Now, I can't give you a 100% answer on that, except to say I I have a pretty good guess. You turn back, you don't have to now, to Numbers chapter 20. And in Numbers chapter 20, you get a pretty good summary of all that has transpired in Moses' time with the children of Israel. Numbers chapter 20 begins with Miriam dying in the wilderness. And then, and then, guess what? The people grumble. 
The people grumble and Moses strikes the rock and then Aaron dies and God says to Moses, you're going to die too. You're not even going to get to enter into the promised land. And Moses is left reflecting. And he's left praying. And in his prayer, he doesn't complain. No, no, he comes at it with perspective. And that perspective ought to grab a hold of us because for some of you, you're 11, 6, 5, you're going to blink and you're going to be 40 years old and wearing bifocals and having children of your own possibly and, and you're going to be in that ever-moving stream of life. And Moses here gives us perspective because Moses has a comfort that transcends his pilgrimage, that transcends the flow of life. And so as we look at this psalm, it sets before us the reality of of the pilgrim life for a believer. It's a pilgrim psalm. And it sets before us the reality of a pilgrim life. And it it calls us to examine our lives in light of who God is, in light of who we are, And upon that examination, well, to rest in Him for all of our hope and to seek His face in our pilgrimage. That's all that it's calling us to do. It's it's really just doing what all the Bible tells us to do. What we are to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of us. And so as we look at Psalm 90, we're going to look at it in three points. It's a pilgrim psalm, and so they all begin with the word pilgrim because I'm, I'm using alliteration and I'm proud of it. It's a pilgrim's dwelling. You get that in those first six verses, and really the first two verses. And then the pilgrim's passing, verses 3 through 11. And then in the pilgrim's petition, 12 through the end of the chapter. So the pilgrim's dwelling, the pilgrim's passing, and the pilgrim's petition. Moses is writing this, you understand, 40 years after having wandered in the wilderness, setting up tents, taking down tents, moving tents, changing encampments, setting up tents, taking down tents, tents, changing encampment again and again and again, and he has been living in tents. Now, this is the same Moses who in the first part of his life, well, he dwelled in Pharaoh's palace. He knew what seemed like permanence, and yet and yet, now on this side of this 40 years of life, Pharaoh is not a permanent structure. What's happened to Pharaoh? He was destroyed when the sea came crashing down. Right? And so that's not permanence. And now he's been in the wilderness these 40 years with a bunch of grumbling, complaining lot. Setting up tents, tearing down tents, moving on. And yet Moses begins this psalm in the most secure dwelling which any believer, which any person can have 
Because, as we've already said, this world is not the sure foundation. It is passing away. First John would tell us that. Right? He says, don't, don't get involved in this world being taken by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life. Those things, the love of this world, it's passing away. All of it. So what's our dwelling place? Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Our Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place. This is Moses reflecting on his life. His sister is gone. His brother is gone. He is not going into the promised land. And instead of saying, Lord, I should have taken you up on your offer to wipe them out. He says, Lord, you are my dwelling place. What's Moses doing here? He's setting before all of us in the face of an ever-changing, ever-marching, ever-moving time. Time that's like a tide coming in and going out. It's, it's never steady. A time that, that will remove all past. And eventually wash away all future. Until the Lord returns. He is in front of that and in that place saying to us that the only place that we can have any sort of meaningful dwelling. An eternal dwelling it's not bound up in here and now. It's bound up in the everlasting, unchanging, eternal God. And if we are to have any hope of life that is beyond the clutches of things here and now, we must find ourselves in this one. That's what a dwelling place is. A dwelling place is not just something that you build and stand outside of. It is not just something that you have and you never enter into. No, Moses says that if we are to have any sort of life, eternal life, everlasting life, real life, that is more than just a vapor, the Lord must be our dwelling place. Now, this isn't unfamiliar with the Scripture. Right? Jesus, Jesus likens himself to a sheepfold, doesn't he? And he opens up and lets the sheep come in and they go out and they graze. He's their dwelling place. And the Proverbs tells us, doesn't it? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. The testimony of Scripture is true and sure because the one who gives it is true and sure. And so the Christian's life is set by Scripture. And it's in, it's in the likeness of the children of Israel. Your life, my life, is like those children of Israel. You know what they've done. They've seen the powerful deliverance of God. And, and they were promised blessings in the promised land. And, and yet, Hebrews tells us many of them died not having them. And it seems as if they left with nothing. And it seems as if this God business was a bunch of junk 
Because they left empty-handed and, and the nations around them seem to have so much more. And Moses is drawing us in, recalibrating us, saying you should not look out there. That's not where worth is. That's not where life is. That's not where wealth is. Come in. Come in by faith and dwell in the Creator of all. There's plenty of room. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Moses is looking back. He's not just thinking of this 40 years now. He's about 120 here as he writes. The first 40 years of his life, he was there in the house of Pharaoh. And then you know what happens. He believes and he knows that God has a plan for him. And he kills that Egyptian. And so he runs. And for 40 years, he's in the backside of a mountain chasing after sheep. And then God finds him and sends him back. And now for 40 years... He's been wandering. But he's not just thinking about his lifetime and this 40 years with this generation. No, no, no. He says in all generations, Moses is pushing us back so that you might remember and know that God, well, he's sure, he's steady. Scripture likens him to a rock. He's greater than the mountains. The mountains came into being. God has always been. You can hang your hat on Him. You can trust Him. And so He's the same now as He was with Abraham. He's the same now as He was with Isaac and Jacob and and with the patriarchs. He's the same as He was even with Adam. And so before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so in God, Moses had found his rest, even while he was wandering, setting up tents, taking down tents, and moving on. The busyness of life that is gathering manna, starting fires, putting out fires because the people were grumbling, going to God on their behalf, setting up tents, tearing down tents, and moving on. Even in that he had rest, because he had found it in the Lord. And so then he says in a very, very open way that it's the unique privilege of those who belong to Christ, to those who belong to the church, that that God himself is our dwelling place. And that itself ought to mean more to us than all this world. Jesus would liken it this way. He would would use a parable. He would say it's like a man who finds a pearl hidden in in, uh, amongst other pearls. A treasure hidden in a field is what he would say. He would liken it to that. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. A pearl of great price. And it is of such value that We ought to sell everything we have in order to have it. If that's what's necessary. That's how valuable it is. And that's what Moses is setting out. That that God has taken us in to Himself. 
in that He's revealed and continually reveals Himself to us in His Word and by the Spirit so that we know Him. This is why Moses tells us that God has been our dwelling place. He's he's remembering that God had said to Abraham, I will be your God. You will be my people. He hasn't changed. And so then our dwelling place in this this pilgrimage is not not this earth. Our, Our eyes are ever to be lifted above and beyond this earth. Moses is saying the same thing Paul would say in Colossians 3, right? If if then your life is, is hidden in Christ, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. It's telling us what Hebrews tells us, that we seek a better country, a better city, whose builder is God. This earth is not our dwelling place. And then we see our passing, don't we? You see our passing. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years are in your sight are as but yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. I wonder if Moses thought about Methuselah here. A thousand years, and, and Methuselah was 969, and, and there are others who, who live 932, 962, many, many, many years. And I wonder, I wonder if here Moses, as he thinks of this thousand years, he thinks of those people, and they are just as much of vapor. They are gone. They are past. I mean, I'm pretty proud I made it to 40 Well, some of the dumb stunts I pulled, I didn't think I'd make it out of my 20s. And yet, here I am. And these people live to be a thousand, or almost a thousand. And and that seems like forever. But Moses is saying it's not. It's but a watch in the night compared to God. A watch, you know, is not the entire night. It's just three hours of the night. Three hours is all that that is in God's sight. Now, he's not meaning a literal thousand years, but I do think he saw, I think he saw in his mind's eye Methuselah and Adam and and all of those who lived in their past. He says it, doesn't he? You... You're returned to dust. You, You, God, you sweep us away as with a flood. And they are like a dream. Do, do you remember so-and-so? You, you probably had somebody ask you that. And you go, well, vaguely, I, I, have a, I have a memory of them. And they have to tell you about it because it's like a dream. That's our life. That's what life is like this side of the veil, after the fall especially. And so Moses is drawing us in. He's telling us that that. We have a life that is hard. You read these verses and none of it's easy. And he's specifically thinking not about the world out there. Yes, it's hard. It's definitely hard for those who are outside of Christ. Because this this life is all the heaven they will ever know. No matter their misery in this life, no matter their pain, it's all the heaven they will know. 
But he says to us, Lord, you've been our dwelling place and you return us and you sweep us away as a watch in the night. He is talking about the church and I think he has in mind here those 40 years with those people who grumbled and complained. But, but, he's setting it out so that we might understand that dwelling in God, it's, it's all of his grace. Men, men don't live forever. Now, that's not because of some design flaw. That's because of the fall. That's because Adam ate that fruit and the world was subjected, plunged into futility, into vanity. And so the fall brought us under the curse and, and so then we groan now. And all of this, these verses, verse 3 through 11, they can be set out in just this word, groaning. Have you had groaning in your life? Have you had pain? Have you had misery? Have you had, have you had angst? See, the reality of our our pilgrimage is that if we are not those who dwell in God, then He will dwell upon us. What do I mean when I say that? Well, Romans chapter 1 tells us those who are not in Christ are those who have the wrath of God abiding upon them. That's why their life is harder. That's why their life is misery. That's why even though they may attain riches and have security, it will be washed away as with a flood. But for us, the washing away as with a flood doesn't mean that our life is over. It means that we are still secure. The, the passing in the night, though we are like grass that comes up, we flourish for a few hours and we're gone. That, that to us isn't, isn't the end of it all. We, we don't have to press and try to preserve our fading beauty. Some of us have more of it than others. But we don't have to preserve it in that way. Because our beauty is all found in our Maker. Our beauty, our inheritance, everything that we esteem is in Him. And then verse 9 tells us, all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a, like a grumbling, like a tale, like a, a sigh. Have you ever just sat down, taking it all in, Thinking back, looking ahead, and just sighed. Utterly exhausted, not knowing if you can go on, not knowing if it's worth carrying on, not knowing, not knowing if, if you can even take another step. That's, that's our passing. And Moses is saying that it is this way even for us because it is to create in us a longing. It is to build up 
in us. That this life is, is so fleeting. It's over in such a minute that it ought to drive us to live for His glory and to do all that we do for His glory and to live looking to His presence. It's interesting that on that last day, when things are being wrapped up, it's only then that He wipes away every tear from our eye. He will, but it's not until this moment has passed. For some of us, we've endured a lot more than others. Some of you have been through trial and struggle and tribulation and pain and heartache. Some of you are in the midst of it now. Some of you are on the backside of it. Some of you are about to enter into it. And while you're in the midst of it and on, you're on the backside of it, and while, while you are about to enter into it, Moses is setting it out before you in this way so that you might remember this, that it will be for only a moment, even if it's that moment is from now until the very last breath you take. In the grand scheme of God, God's eternality, it's but a moment. It's from everlasting to everlasting. And so that's our passing. And so then quickly, Moses sets before us these petitions, doesn't he? We pass like a vapor. So how do we live? Well, he gives six petitions. But we're only going to surmise them in two, two things. What do we do as we consider who God is, the eternal, unchangeable one? And as we consider ourselves, we are those who are passing. We are those who sin. We are those who stumble. What should we do in this life? Well, we go to Him in prayer. And we go to Him asking for wisdom and asking for mercy. That's what verses 12 through 17 set out. It tells us to ask for wisdom, to ask for mercy. Verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You've heard the saying, haven't you? Youth is wasted on the young. Right? You, you creep up in age and, and you know a little bit more of that and you think back on your life. What would you do differently if you could go back? How, how many times have you played that game? If only I could go back, how things would be different. I wouldn't have done this. I would have done this. I would have bought stock in Amazon when it was $1.26. Right? You, you would go back. There are things that you would change about your life. Young people, ask God for wisdom now. That going forward, you will not waste a moment of your life. Because it's going to be over like that. That you will not chase after the, the, 
vague, ephemeral, flighty, vain things of this life, that you will not set your hope on the things of this life, but now you will anchor yourself to this rock-solid bedrock from everlasting to everlasting God, and you will go forward now until the end of your days in that wisdom. Make that your prayer. Not so young people. You're still here. You're, you're still apt and prone to need wisdom. Make it your prayer going forward. Make it your prayer that He will make you remember and think how many days. Seventy, if by strength, eighty, and even more. But not much. And so you ask for wisdom in this life that will lead us to find our dwelling in Him. One man said, This is a, a divine education in regard to time and eternity. That's what we're praying for. God, educate me that I will think rightly about my life and the time I have left. Wisdom. Wisdom. Is verse 12. The remaining verses are mercy. Mercy. What about you? Do you plead for his wisdom? That you might have insight on how to live in your time. And do you plead for mercy? You plead for mercy. Why mercy? Because life is hard. Life is hard. And we're sinners. And our sin makes it harder. That's what he does. He says, return, O Lord. How long? Have, have pity on us. Be merciful. Verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your mercy. That we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish us in the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Mercy. Mercy. Psalm 90 is given to us to tell us to find your dwelling place in the Lord. To remember that these days are passing. Don't bind all of your hope here. No, no, go beyond this. Find all of your hope in Him. Don't waste your life chasing that which is flighty. And then to seek Him. Asking for wisdom and for mercy. As we come to the table, you're going to get a picture of His mercy. As you come to the table, you're going to see a picture of the ultimate mercy that we need. Because our days are passing, because, as verse 8 says, you have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. Nothing's hidden from Him. It's from everlasting to everlasting. But here's the beauty of it. He promises mercy. To those who come to Him for mercy. 
And so set your hope on Him. Ask Him for this divine education that you might receive wisdom and mercy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. O God, satisfy us with Your mercy. Let us see and savor and feed on Christ that we might make You our dwelling place. That when this life is past, we will enter into eternity in You, not with Your wrath upon us. Do this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.